Good evening to you all and thank you for joining us once again for the Salvation Meeting here on Fortress Radio. It's been one of those weeks in our family where all the birthdays and anniversaries seem to come at once. I guess the larger your family, the more chance of that happening. But this week we've had three birthdays, two anniversaries and sadly the funeral of Sarah's great-aunt. There also seems to have been a lot of these within our circle of friends too. And I'll be coming back to one of these later on. But we love to share in these times of family joy because they give us a chance to show how much we love those whom God has blessed us with in our lives. His love, of course, is the best gift of all. So what better song could we begin with this evening than song number 25? A great song by Sidney Cox that we've been singing in the Salvation Army now ever since it was first published in June 1932. Yes, that's 88 years ago. It's been popular for all that time, and it's still widely used today, of course. So let's all sing along now with the South Sea Band and the Mast Singing Companies this song of thanks to our Heavenly Father for his love to each and every one of us. God's love is wonderful. <laughs>
Lord, we thank you for your love. The gift of love brings so much joy to our lives. The love of a child for a parent, a parent for a child, brother for a sister, and so many other combinations of love that fill each of our lives with joy and happiness every single day of our lives. We thank you for the love of the special people you often bring into our lives, to be a boyfriend, girlfriend, husband or wife, and help us to care for and nurture these relationships. And we share the joy of those who are celebrating the amount of time that they have been blessed with that very same love. But most of all, we thank you for your love for us. The love that compelled you to leave your heavenly throne and come here to earth so that we might be saved from our sins. We thank you for the Bible's teaching about love. Open our hearts and minds this evening as we learn from your word about the qualities of love that you want us to share in our own lives. And help us to shine for you in a world of darkness. The world that right now seems to be hopelessly lost in the way that it tries to deal with a global pandemic. A world that seems to have lost most of its sense of direction and common sense. Has lost all sense of sharing, kindness and concern for others less fortunate than ourselves. Come into the world today with your love and bless us with the presence of your Holy Spirit in our lives so that we can shine and bring your light and love into the lives of the people we meet. We're going to sing again now, and it's a song I've used in the meetings before. But that's hardly surprising now, is it, when these online meetings are now into our eighth month of broadcasting. Tonight, though, we're using song number 241, one of Charles Wesley's very finest hymns, by the request of the Reader family in Grimsby. They used to attend the old citadel in Duncombe Street for many years, but now they worship with us here again on Fortress Radio. Janine and her husband Talal have been married for 40 years today. Massive congratulations to them. And thanks also from me for all the encouragement that you've given to me in this ministry. I mentioned Janine to you a few weeks ago, telling you that she plays her dinner mat as a tambourine during the songs. And their daughter Emma has already read the Bible for us a few months ago. Tonight, Janine herself, who's a very well-known lady locally for her 50 years of acting and singing in musicals, is going to deliver our Bible reading. But for now, the song that they've requested. And can it be?
Our contribution from the singing company this evening is another one of those songs that many of us have been singing from childhood. You can follow the words of song number 870 if you wish, as the Sunbury Junior Singers bring us Jesus Bids Us Shine. Does God's love shine out of you everywhere you go, every day? I think on a good day most of us would like to hope it did. But what about that cold, wet Sunday morning when you didn't manage to get much sleep the night before? Or on a day when yet another piece of bad news comes on the TV? Oh, we've had enough of that in 2020, I'm sure you'd agree. Paul gives us some great advice in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And that's our Bible reading for this evening, which, as I told you earlier, Janine Reader is kindly reading for us now. The Bible reading is 1 Corinthians chapter 13. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonour others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. 
but when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope and love. But the greatest of these is love. Follow the way of love. Follow the way of love. The last words we heard there, they're actually the first words of chapter 14. And I often wonder if Paul meant them to be a direct continuation of the great description of love that he'd just shared with the Christians in Corinth. I suspect it was just that. His exhortation to them to take on board all that he'd just written to them. Not only as knowledge, but also to apply it to their lives. Follow the way of love. Of course, no love has ever been greater than the love of Jesus, who gave up his heavenly throne and came to earth to be with us, and, of course, to die like a lamb to the slaughter and rise again in triumph, so that we could all share that same life eternal. The reading from Corinthians was, of course, by no means all that Paul wrote about love. And Len Ballantyne took some more verses from Ephesians chapter 3 to write this next song. And we're going to hear it sung for us now by the International Staff Songsters. The Love of Christ. Oh, my God. 
I want you to imagine for a moment that you were the king of a great nation many years ago. Perhaps in Old Testament times. Have you ever read the descriptions that the Bible gives us of Solomon's palace? It was built with more gold than we could ever imagine. Beautiful cedar pillars. A magnificent strong room that was filled with all the treasure he could hold. And of course, there was Solomon's magnificent ivory throne that he ruled from. We won't go into the luxurious accommodation that was built for Solomon's thousand wives and concubines. One of those is perfectly good enough for me, thank you. But if you can imagine that scene. There you are, sat in your utter luxury, with one servant waving a palm branch to dissipate the heat, another bringing you constant cool drinks and snacks. What a great life it sounds. But there's a problem. Your nation is in trouble. Big trouble. And no matter what you've done as the ruler to try to put this right, it hasn't worked. The people that you've put into prominent places in the country have failed to put things right, and it's beginning to look as if all hope is lost. It's all going to come crashing down in rack and ruin very soon. There's only one thing for it, you decide, as king, and that's to leave your magnificent palace and go down amongst the people to see if you could do what needed to be done. No one need know who you were, but they probably wouldn't take all that well to a stranger giving them advice, and the likelihood might be that the harder you tried to influence the people to live properly, how to respond to the enemy attacks and so on, they'd get so annoyed with you that, after a while, your own life would be in danger. But you know in your heart that you're the only hope. And so you keep on trying. And you even, in desperation, eventually start to tell them who you really are. But by then, they know that the only way they can continue on their own foolish pathway is to get rid of you, to kill you. And so that's exactly what they do. But it's only in your death that they realise the full implications of what they've done. And perhaps they might slowly start to put things right. Does that sound familiar? This sad fairy tale that I've just told you to imagine is not a million miles away from the very reason that we're here worshipping together this evening. Just last week in the meeting we were reminded about another lovely song to which the verse said, Thou didst leave thy throne and thy kingly crown when thou camest to earth for me. There's the king leaving his throne and going to be among the people. And yes, he was our only hope of restoring man's relationship with a father God who had done so much for his people over thousands of years, but still could not get the respect, the love and the trust that he deserved. So, as another old chorus says, he came right down to me to condescend to be my friend. He came right down to me.
John chapter 3 verse 16 tells the whole story. Perhaps that's why it is and always will be one of the most favourite verses in the whole Bible. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. There, right there, is the king leaving his throne. And just as Jesus was compelled by love to do this for us, so we should be just as compelled to love him, to serve him, to shine for him, if you think about what the children sang earlier. Ray Steadman Allen wrote a lot of beautiful music for Salvation Army bands. Few pieces better than the selection of the name By Love Compelled. And amongst the songs of response to God that we find in this selection, we hear these words. O spotless lamb, I come to thee. No longer can I from thee stay. Break every chain. Now set me free. Take all my sins away. May that be our prayer tonight as we listen to the International Staff Band play that piece now by love compelled.
Paul's description of love that we read earlier doesn't lessen the importance of faith and hope. Both of those qualities are also vital to our lives as followers of the Lord. But Paul makes sure we get the message. It's love that we need most, if we are to do our bit to win the world for Jesus. Love is not, as others have said to us since, all you need, but it is the greatest of these three. Let's join in and sing together now song number 683 before we consider our response to this outpouring of God's love. This song is, of course, Commissioner Arch Wiggins' paraphrase of the Apostle Paul's words, set to the wonderful music of Bandmaster George Marshall, the greatest of these.
I spoke earlier about the importance to us all of love. Birthdays, weddings, other anniversaries. We could even include Valentine's Day in that list, I suppose. They're all opportunities for us to show other human beings how dearly we care for them. How very much we love them. And it's great, isn't it? But sometimes, you know, that sort of love is all that many people know and understand. You could say, for want of a better description, that it's family love, husband and wife love, that other emotional response, physical attraction, romantic sort of love. That's the love that's preeminent in this post-truth culture of the 21st century. And maybe that's because we've not really, in recent years, allowed the love of God to be as preeminent as it really should be. And yet we go around our way, trying to let our little lights shine like candles burning in the night. Candles have become so popular, haven't they, in recent years? And if you've ever had one of those candles, or several of them, that you line along your mantelpiece or whatever in your front room, it's wonderful while it glows. And these days not only glows, but often fills the house with a beautiful fragrance too. But then, as it burns lower and lower, it starts to flicker, and then it dies. That's a little bit like that human love. We can keep it going with a great deal of effort, but all too often it flickers and dies. My parents were married for more than 40 years. Sarah's parents, Malcolm and Carol, had their 48th anniversary this week. Janine and Talal mark 40 years married this very weekend. I've seen recently reports of people celebrating their 60th wedding anniversaries. A couple in Portsmouth when I was there actually had their 70th anniversary. This was marked by a message from the Queen. But I don't think I've yet seen, I'm not sure if any of you have ever read about, anyone managing an 80th anniversary. But I should think it probably has happened in the world somewhere by now. Love of that depth and longevity will certainly have seen some of the qualities that Paul writes about. Love is patient. You could translate patient as long-suffering. For a marriage to last 25, 40, 60 or 70 years, then it's absolutely certain that those who'd be celebrating had developed and used many, many times this particular aspect of love. Quite correctly, as other Christian writers and speakers have said, our own long-suffering ought to mirror God's long-suffering towards us. Because Christians understand how many sins God has patiently suffered when dealing with us. Love is kind. I read something recently about the great American revivalist preacher of the 18th century, Jonathan Edwards. He said of kindness, kindness is doing good toward others. Of course, it's easy to do good to those who appreciate it, but it's hard to show kindness to those who don't. It's easy to do good for those who are kind in return, but it's difficult to show kindness when it's met with active unkindness. The opposite of kindness 
Selfishness, though, excludes and often harms other people. Our Christian love should be kindness without any hint of selfishness. In fact, we need to develop selflessness if we're ever to be able to do the greatest kindness we can to our fellow man. That kindness, of course, being to have the privilege of bringing him or her into the knowledge of Jesus' saving grace. In God's love there is no envy, jealousy, malice or pride. Oh, they must never in my heart abide. Oh yes, we used to sing that as children, didn't we? All the little bunnies in the fields of corn. We sang some good sound theology in our primary groups in Sunday school, you know. Root them out, get them gone. All the little bunnies in the fields of corn. Envy, jealousy, malice and pride. They must never in my heart abide. Yes, if we want to be the embodiment of 1 Corinthians 13, we need to be wary of those bunnies. And we need to make sure we root them out, get them gone. For only if we do embody that love can we truly shine for Jesus in our lives every day. Joy Webb also wrote about us shining for God in a world of darkness. Could you sing tonight? With complete honesty, I am the candle of the Lord. With truth and love more powerful than sword. Oh, fan my flame. Its single gleam diffuse. And let my spirit be the light that you can use. I am the candle of the Lord. Light me. Light me, Lord. If we truly lived our lives with the love of 1 Corinthians 13, maybe, just maybe, this world might begin to see through all its mist and confusion. And wouldn't it be wonderful if it could then turn to the all-encompassing love of God? Let's listen to Barbara Allen sing that lovely song now, as we pray that God will make us shine for him in the world right where we are. Oh 
Father, we thank you because you call us to be your light in this world. Help us to share God's love and to shine for you in the darkness of this world and in these difficult days. Help us to show that Jesus is the light through our being present in the world and for us being your people and your disciples. Amen. My great thanks there to Major Estelle Blake for leading us in that short prayer. Although we want to shine for God, what we really want, of course, is for Jesus to shine in this world of darkness. So what better song could we conclude our meeting with tonight than song number 261? Surely one of the best new songs of the last 30 years to come into the Christian church. Let's ask him to make the words of this third verse our aim this evening. As we gaze on your kingly brightness, so our faces display your likeness. Ever changing from glory to glory, mirrored here may our lives tell your story. Shine on me, shine on me. So yes, go and shine. And God bless you all in everything you do for him this week.
And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit keep us shining. Keep that flame alive in our hearts so that we can be a light to this world of darkness. Bless us all until we meet again. Amen. If I can understand the hidden mysteries of life, if I could know the secrets all men seek, if I could know the reason why the world is what it is, why every human being is unique. Unless I knew treasures of the earth. If all the precious things that men have prized belonged to me, and lovely things of unimagined worth, unless I had should give my gifts to feed the children of the poor, and for my faith would die a martyr's death, unless I gave the love of God, the all-embracing love of God, unless I Give nothing, I would give nothing.